Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, guys, I know this has been a bit for me on Twitter lately, but I still think that it is a beautiful day for the Carolina Hurricanes to sign Anthony Honka and Alexander Passion. I didn't even hear what you said, to be honest with you, but that is a okay. We'll call that an intro and move on. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. I'm Brandon Stanley, joined by Matthew Soma and Alex O'Hari from the Great White North. We got hockey to talk about. Lots of it. The Hurricanes played one of the tougher 72-hour stretches you will ever see and came out with five out of a possible six points. Pretty impressive, even though they kind of sucked in Tampa Bay. They were able to get a point against one of the best teams in the league. I'd say that's pretty impressive work. Um, We got lots to talk about with that. The forward depth is really starting to step up. Good goaltender play. Team is really starting to round into form ahead of the postseason. Uh, I want you all to know that Brandon did that entire intro, (laughs) leaning back with his eyes closed and his hands behind his head. Oh, yeah. All things considered, that was some great energy coming from I, I know. I, I was, my man was relaxing, but still bringing it. I love it. Yeah, well, we talked about last week. I, I was I did the podcast from my bed because my office was stolen. I have my office back now, and I'm in my bed. Oh, yeah, you this fully might, committed. Might, he, he's might be he's laid out. He's completely laid out, arms behind he's, his head. Uh, this might this be is, the new this office. This is just the new way. Yep. I mean, we don't post <laughs> these videos or anything. Who cares, right? I don't care what y'all think. I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I'm one of those. We care what is, that, you think. is that a way to talk about our audience? <laughs> we love you guys. Yeah, I'm kidding. Very <laughs> relaxed. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say this was probably a statement week in Hurricanes hockey, you know, weekend, whatever you want to call it. Um, they hadn't beaten the Capitals, obviously, up until this point in the season, and they smacked the crap out of them in Washington the last game. Um, and they also beat a pretty good St. Louis Blues team, also in their building, 7-2. to two. Uh, The offense is really starting to step up. I, I kind of want to talk about that. Um, so if we just want to start there, actually, that's probably cool. Uh, I mentioned I wanted to talk about Domi a little bit. And, yes, Alex, we don't have that much to say just yet. But I, I do think, to some degree, we're getting an idea of what this is going to do for the Hurricanes. You know, I – Matt, we were talking about my article that I posted today on the hockey writers talking about how this offense is looking playoff ready. And we know what the the top three lines have been doing for a while. Well, actually, I can't really say that because the second line had been struggling for a pretty good while. 
But now you got Martin Natchez is really starting to heat up. Uh, you got Seth Jarvis, since he's been put on the top line, has been phenomenal. And obviously the third line has been great for a while. So now you add Max Domi to the fourth line. And it's a real shame about Kokaniemi with him going down to that garbage hit by Lars Eller with under two seconds left in that Washington game. We, I don't even really want to get into that because I think we've had enough discourse about that on Twitter and stuff. It was bullshit. Whatever. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna upset me again if we get into that one. Right, right. But <laughs> he, he was playing great hockey and then having a guy like Domi, who I, I think is really flashed offensively at times, he's still definitely finding his role and figuring out the systems and stuff. And you can tell he's still kind of thinking and trying to figure out where to be instead of just reacting and playing to his game. So I think with added comfort, we'll see those flashes even more. But I, I don't think there's many teams in the NHL that can match that fourth line. And, you know, we've already seen it. They, they pitched in big time, especially in that Washington game where Domi had two really nice assists. Um, Hurricanes are a four-line hockey team right now. And, and again, like, I think that's part of the reason why they were able to stick with a team like Tampa Bay, even when they definitely didn't play their best game. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're seeing how big of an adjustment it is coming into a Hurricanes system this late in the year trying to get your feet under you with a guy like Domi, you know, coming in, trying to learn how the Hurricanes play and just adjust himself to the group overall. You guys can disagree, but I feel he's been a little anonymous, you know, maybe haven't seen as much as I would like to from him. Mind you, he's only playing about 10 minutes a night. So you can obviously, you can obviously wonder how much he's really had a chance to get involved up to this point. One thing I'm definitely intrigued to see though is, with Kotkaniemi out, Domi filled his spot on the second power play unit. So that might be a spot for him, you know, maybe to produce a little more, maybe get more comfortable with how the Hurricanes kind of flow offensively. And we'll also see him in a more offensive role where, you know, no disrespect to Stevie Lorenz and Derek Stepan, who's been very, very good, but they're not quite what you would consider offensive dynamo. So I don't think we've really seen Domi play with the caliber of skill players that he's maybe accustomed to yet. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts, but I definitely think there's some room for improvement, especially if he's going to get an extended look on the second power play unit and see how he can kind of fit himself in with the group. Yeah. I mean, I think what's been noticeable is his speed and the fact that the Canes are better along the boards now. Um, but again, there's just really not much I want to talk about with him just yet. Cause I mean, it's been what, Four games, four games at this point. Yeah. And he's right. playing on the fourth line. So that's not really a great um, measure, but I do think we should talk about, you know, the fact that we're finally getting secondary scoring from Jarvis and Natchez, which we hadn't in a while. Natchez, you know, in his last five games, he has six points. Um, granted two of those games were multi-point efforts but still. I mean, This is a guy that in the past 11 games before this little stretch had one goal and that was it. Like the offense dried up for Natchez pretty hard. So this is a solid performance for him this year, or at least in this little stretch. Sorry. Um, And Jarvis, meanwhile, in his last five games also has six points (laughs) and has done a really great job of having a multi-point game and then zero points and then a multi-point game and then zero (laughs) points again. So he's going to be off the score sheet next game because he had two points against Tampa, unfortunately, but still. Feels like that almost all season for him. Yeah. And I mean, 
he's he's always dried up and i think you know jarvis for a while was producing and this is also unsustainable but he was producing at an unsustainable rate uh but as of right now i think you're getting the best out of jarvis and you're getting close to the best out of nature so i still think there's another gear for him yeah also you're not really getting much out of aho and Svechnikov right now aho a little bit but i don't even think he's been really at his best the last few games and Svechnikov is i didn't see the goal the he had two goals on his birthday i didn't actually see that game but the last couple of games I've watched, I didn't think Spetch looked very good at all, especially last night against Tampa Bay. He was just a turnover machine. He was solid against the Blues. Okay. Um, that was the game I was watching, the Duke game. Yeah, I mean, he has four points in his last five games. Um, so it, it might just be – the Tampa game was just bad all around because it was a back-to-back with travel against yeah. two really tough teams. Right. And the fact that we got a point out of that is awesome. Absolutely. Um, Meanwhile, we're we're gonna take a look here at Sebastian Ajo. He obviously scored um, last night against yeah. Tampa. Of, I mean that that was a disgusting deflection that he had. Right. But he has five in his last five. So, but and still, actually, he's it's on a five like game. Say with Nietzsche, like the production's starting to come, but I don't. I just feel like there's another gear for those guys too. Like when both those guys are at their best, they're taking over games and like just really impacting the flow. And I just haven't seen that. And again, I've missed more games than I usually do in the last like couple of weeks. So take this all with a grain of salt. He probably had a great game and I just didn't see it or something. I don't know, but there's just been times where I've, I've wanted a lot more out of those two guys. Terrifying too, even. And the, yeah, I guess that's the Kokanee Emmy injury came at the worst possible time. Cause he was writing a three game point streak. He, he's been look, he's been looking great for a while. Yeah, I agree. I'm just saying, like, you know, he he went a long time without really doing much of anything. His ice time has never been, like, super high this season. But he played a season high, or not a season high, but he played 13-20, which is a lot higher than it has been lately, against the Capitals and was a plus two with an assist. And it was a pretty nice assist, too. Yeah, and like you said, it really came at the worst time because you could really see him and his line mates, Domi and Stepan, starting to put some good chemistry together. I mean, that trio was really dominating games when they were on the ice. As far as fourth line goes, you know, it's it's hard to find a fourth line in this league that can compete with the skill, the tenacity of those guys. And, you know, Kotkaniemi gets to the front of the net. Like, those guys will get dirty if they have to. So I, I just – it's such a shame because you could really see them growing together. Um, and, you know, that's all obviously helping Max Domi's um, arrival to the team where, you know, he comes in, he's playing with two guys that he's played with in the past. Uh, so there's a familiarity there. And, you know, these guys are really putting together some good tape. Um, so it is pretty disappointing for Kotkaniemi to go out. You know, hopefully he's not going to be out for an extended period. Mind you, the injury didn't look good. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, too, you've got Stevie Lorenz, who you plug into that role and, you're also comfortable with him there. I mean, obviously, maybe not quite the same offensive upside that Kotkaniemi would offer in that role. Um, but, you know, that fourth line is still very good and can still go toe-to-toe with any in this league. You can we talk to... about that Blues game? <laughs> sure, I didn't see You it. can. I didn't, I didn't watch it. So, <laughs> so you know, it. <laughs> well, here, then I'll talk about the Blues game. There you go. 
the Canes dominated that game and got a tremendous goal. You know how the Canes, they give up so many high danger chances. Freddie Anderson was on his game that night. Nothing was getting past him. And then there was that one leaky goal for Uchnevich. And then and there was another one that was a missed coverage, I think, uh, by the defense. But all in all, that was a dominant Canes win. They were all over the puck. They were matching the Blues physically, which, you know, uh, the Western Conference teams are always a little bit tougher for the Canes, I feel like, because they play such a physical style. I feel like the, historically, though, yeah, okay. Like yeah. they That's haven't matched up against the West. Like it's yeah, been dominated the West this season, though. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm just saying, like this year, it's been apparent when the Canes have played the West because they're actually able to match the teams physically now. Yeah, and the power play was clicking. Everything was working. You scored two empty net goals off of really nice puck pressure, and then it was just great. Then you go into Washington two nights later and just lay waste to the Capitals in their own building. I mean, I love it. And like occasionally if I miss like parts of the games, I'll watch like the highlights on YouTube afterwards. And I love watching it when we beat the Capitals on the road because the Caps announcers get depressed so quickly. <laughs> you know, the Tampa game is what it is, but that's a hell of a three game road trip and five out of six points is great. How about Brendan Smith in that Capitals game, eh? I mean, we've all been understandably hard on him, um, but that might be the most impact I've seen him have on a game. I mean, he was right in Tom good. Wilson's head. He, I think he's um, played a lot better since the first like couple weeks of the season when he was just a pylon out there. Yeah, yeah, that that that's completely fair. I mean, he he really did exactly what you would expect from him in that role, and exactly it, the reason he is on the team, he showed on. Monday night, I think the game was. Yeah, Monday, yeah, night. Monday night. I mean, he, he he really brought a dynamic that the Hurricanes just don't have. I mean, he was in Wilson's head, kind of like the way Saku Manalenin got in Ovechkin's head in the playoffs in 2019. I mean, it was great to watch. And, you know, he didn't have to take that fight. But the guy's uh, he's a damn warrior, right? And, I mean, you hate to see a guy fighting after he just came back from a skull fracture. But... You know, Brendan Smith, he's not going to let anyone punk him around. Um, and the, the guy is just – he's hes just a perfect soldier. And, you know, it's its no no mistake why Rod Brindamore likes him, why he leans on him, and why even put him in the lineup for a game like that. I mean, come playoff time, if he can bring that kind of an impact, he can be a difference maker. Yeah, I agree. Here's, the, here's a question I have. Do you think that – players should be fined and suspended and or suspended let me say that for plays in the last let's say like 10 seconds of the game that end up injuring somebody so for instance i'm looking at i believe it was kucherov's hit or maybe kalorn one of those two guys hit on pesci in game five of the playoffs last year in the last, you know, minute of the game. And I'm looking at Eller's hit uh, the other night, like the game's already out of reach. There's less than a minute left and you go out and deliberately injure somebody. 
I just feel like that's a lot of gray area. Yeah. If you, like, make the rule, like, oh, if it's a blowout or something like that, because then if you're playing in a three-to-three game and somebody goes and delivers a hit, I don't know. I just think if, if you bring something like that into it, there's just too many ways that can go against how the rule is intended, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm completely with you on this. I mean, it's a tough line to draw. I'll, I'll say two things. When we when I first started playing hockey, we were taught two things back at the novice level. Like one of the first things that you were taught in minor hockey was give it your all until the final whistle and have respect for every player on the ice. So you right. can kind of tie both of those things into the situation where, you know, it's a 6-1 game. Um, what you're doing on the ice in the last two seconds, as in Kotkin Yemi's case, has zero effect on the game. Um, but on the other hand, he is playing to the final whistle. And, you know, you absolutely hate to see it from Kotkin He knew what he was doing. Because he he did. He did. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, you know, obviously the end result wasn't necessarily to injure him. I don't think it was like an intent to injure, but he was just trying to get a hit in on him, you know? And uh, it's, I I do think it's a very tough line to draw because you're going to have to kind of pick and choose from every situation and analyze it because no situation like this is going to be the same. Um, You know, a freak injury on a hit. I mean, how are you going to really suspend the guy for that? I I don't know. I I just think it's too hard to draw. Um, I, I don't really know how you would incorporate a rule um, in any kind of form that would kind of remove that kind of stuff from the game. Um, if you have a suggestion, you can run it by me, but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure how you get it to work. I no, just think the, the Department the of Player is, Safety needs to protect their players, and they don't. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, next game, I, I it needs to be clean. I, I'm not saying to injure the guy or anything, but next time the Hurricanes see the Capitals, Lars Eller needs to get destroyed. He needs to answer, yeah, for sure. He needs to answer for what he did. That's going to be Brendan Smith with a fractured skull again. <laughs> I know. They're just going to bring but, but out thing- his, like, deformed body in, like, 2025 and keep <laughs> sending him out to fight these guys. Now, you know, a good, good sign for him to attend to show us what he's got. We know yeah. he likes to throw him. Yeah. And, uh, but, I mean... I don't know. It's just the way that Kokanami himself has stepped up for guys so many times lately and just yeah. how good he was playing. Taking a run at a 21-year-old kid like that with two seconds left in the game is gutless. And Yeah, no, it's bullshit. Even it's, if it's, it's not it's a fight, behavior. somebody needs to line him up. Like I said, clean. I don't, I'm not trying to hurt the guy, but he needs to get his bell wrong. Um, I mean, because let's think about it. The game before, Kokanami standing up for Derek Stepan. Exactly. Beat the living hell out of somebody for St. Louis. I can't even remember the guy's name. Yeah, I don't remember who it was either. But it I was a Russian whose last fight. name starts with a P, I think. I know. I started to say, like, I started to say, like, Labushkin, but I was like, wait, no, he's on Toronto. Yeah, was it no, but, I mean, no, it, no, it was, it was, like, some guy that's basically a depth player. Yeah, okay. It was the newer guy, right? Well, I don't, I don't know. Anyway. But anyway, like, Kokanyemi has been really good. And, you know, the points equals good crowd up in Montreal is going to be like, well, he only has this many points. But, like, if you look at him playing on the ice, like, you notice him now. Yeah, if they actually knew anything about hockey up there in Montreal. Right. Well, you know, not everybody can know as much as us living in the center of the hockey universe. Exactly. There it is. 
There it is. All right. Let's move on now. We got lots of minor league hockey to talk about, don't we, boys? Oh, yeah. Uh, we got it was Torupchenko. Torupchenko. I knew it had a P in there somewhere. There you go. All right, before we move on, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take a second and get a quick word from DraftKings. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get 150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 and older. Restrictions apply. See the show notes or wherever you listen to our podcast for important details. Um, <clears throat> so first of all, the big news that come out of today um, is the entry-level contract signing of Brinus forward Noel Gundler, former Brinus forward, I guess I should say. Um, had a good year in the SHL. Not playing on a great team. But he had 13 goals and 23 points. Um, I think all three of us are probably very excited to see this kid come over because he's got a lot of offensive talent. Um, I, I kind of, for a long time, had this guy and Dominic Bach hand in hand because they do have a lot of similarities. Why is this one going to be different? So I actually disagree with the comparison to Dominic Bach. From because- a skill standpoint, you don't think they both have the same kind of tool set? Nope. Okay. I think Noel Gunler is a sniper with a hell of a shot, but he knows how to utilize his teammates. It's the right. He is a good passer. He is a very good passer. His teammates were dog water. Right. (laughs) So, you know, it's like I I think Gunler is going to thrive in a system that plays with a ton of pace. I disagree with the takes that his work ethic is bad and that his I do attitude too. is poor. I think I those think, narratives were BS. Yeah, I think that narrative is very uninformed and people I've talked talk to that have followed Swedish hockey for a long time have even said that a lot of those claims are unfounded. Right. Um, I think Noel Gunler brings a responsible two-way game as well, which is why he's going to be the polar opposite of Dominic Bach because with Dominic Bach, if he didn't have the puck on his stick, he wasn't doing anything in the offensive zone or the defensive zone. Yeah, he, he would just kind of exist. And <laughs> in the defensive zone, it was like a struggling to exist. Um, I think if you continue to work with Gunler on utilizing his teammates, good things are going to happen. It's just going to take some time. Give me one second. I think my cat's doing something. Yeah, you know, I I really agree with what you're saying here. I think, you know, watching Gunnar, one thing about him that really impresses me is how strong he is on the puck. I mean, along the boards, along the wall, he's very good at protecting the puck. He's very good at shielding. Um, he can above and below the goal line. He can make his way off the wall, find a dare 
dirty area. And as soon as this guy gets any amount of space at all, I mean, you give this guy space to get a shot off and he can be any goalie in the world. I mean, his release is very quick. He's very accurate as a shooter. Um, so, you know, he can kind of make things happen out of nothing. And like I said, his strength is underratedly impressive. I mean, on the wall, he's very good at protecting the puck. And, you know, there I see some similarities with him and Nito Niederreiter in a way where both he doesn't really have the heaviness um, that Niederreiter has consistently. But like I said, these guys can fight off check four checkers with, you know, their strength and their leveraging. And you get this guy the puck basically anywhere around the net and there's a good chance it's going in. I mean, his release is very, very clean. Um, he doesn't always have to do all the dirty work, but you get this guy, the puck in the right spot and he's probably going to score. So kind of has a little bit of similarity to Niederreiter. And I think, you know, with the right development, if you get this guy anywhere in the hurricanes top nine with a potential playmaking center who can get him the puck consistently, I mean, he's got a release that's just world-class it can beat any goalie in 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 the world as far as I'm concerned so I I think he's going to have very good potential in the hurricane system it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he translates his game to the smaller ice in North America um I'm expecting a bit of a learning curve there um but you know he's got a great staff to work with him in Chicago and uh, I think the sky's the limit for him and just to clarify, the reason I posed that question wasn't because I think he is going to be like Bach or anything like that. I just figured it would get some good answer out of these two. So there you go. I, I'm also very excited to watch him. Um, and, and I have very high hopes for him. You know, it's a guy that not many people expected to be there in the second round when the Hurricanes got him. Um, in fact, a lot of people, scouts, whatever I follow on Twitter, were like, of course, Carolina gets him. You know, he's one of those picks. Um, but yeah, very, very enticing skill set. Really excited to watch how he develops in Chicago. And I think he plays this weekend too. If, if he comes over in time, I have no idea what that looks like because I mean, as we're recording this, it's March 30th, his season ended yesterday. Right. Uh, so not entirely sure what that looks like, but Chicago does have a three in three this weekend. Um, so maybe they don't play him because I know the last two games are on the road. So maybe they wait till next week. But still, I think this Get is a practice very, time and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, he, it could happen. I'm right. not going to sit here and say it won't. But unless he comes over like tomorrow, which Thursday when this comes out, you know, he's probably not going to play until next Wednesday, I think is when they play after the weekend. Right. All right. Well, let's stay with Chicago. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> there's plenty of storylines to talk about with this team. Uh, obviously, they just clinched a playoff spot. They remain first in the West, I believe. I yes. think they, I think they saw By a sizable record. margin. That's what I thought. Um, honestly, I haven't watched too much of them lately, but I do know two things. I know two things. One of them we're going to get to in a minute with our prospect of the week. The other Piotr Kochekov, Kochek, am, I, am I saying it right? Kochekov, You're saying it right. Whatever. It's close enough. Anyway, uh, 8-0-1 continues to keep the puck out of the net and give that team not just a chance to win, but puts them in a very, very, very good position to do so every single time he's in the crease. Matt, I know you've been watching a good bit of their games. What have you seen from him? A lot. Uh, sorry. 
so by points the wolves are first by the way just to clarify um they would be first in the league but by point percentage stockton is technically higher okay um with a 0.755 because they played in six less games than the wolves fewer six fewer games that's a that's a meme from game of thrones i'm sorry anyway um i don't remember that one but yeah i've been watching uh peter a lot this season uh since he well even before he came over but you know his first couple of starts were shaky and he was very clearly still getting adjusted to the ahl and the way the north american game was played and i'd say right after that you know probably third start it's just been nothing but absolute dominance from him since he broke in i mean he's been close to a shutout a couple of times and then you know the wolves will give up a patented you know terrible breakaway or you know two on one that ends up killing that momentum but i really like the way coach etkov plays in net i think he's he's willing to take risks i think you know, there's still some moments where he gets a little drifty out of the net and kind of have to panic a little bit. Like, but he's really good at playing the puck. I said this on Twitter last night. He's one of the best goalies I've seen in a long time at using his stick, whether it's to make a save, whether it's to like poke check or whether it's playing the puck. Like, he is so good with his stick and he is so athletic that he's able to recover from a really tough situation and make a phenomenal save. Yeah. Um, you know, you can make the argument that the hurricanes have arguably one of the best duos in the NHL. Um, and I think it's pretty evident that they also have one of the best duos, if not trios, if you want to include Alex Lyon, um, in the AHL when everybody's healthy, because, you know, Peter Koch at cough, and E2 Makiniemi, those two kids have just exceeded any realistic expectation you can have for a rookie goalie playing their first pro season in North America. Both these guys coming over from overseas during the summer and, you know, Kochikov halfway through the year um, and just throw them right into the fire. And I'll read you guys the stats. Um, Kochikov is a 1.8 goals against and a 934 save percentage with an 8011 record. E2 Makiniemi is at a 2.06 goals against 922 save percentage and an 11-2-1 record. Mind you, he hasn't played in a little while, um, but he was on a tear earlier in the season. And, you know, I, I think the Hurricanes have to be very confident um, about where these two kids are at with their development. Um, and, you know, you factor in the fact that they have Freddie Anderson and Andy Ronta, both in the pro system, who are signed for next season. Um, which is just exceptional news because you don't have to rush either of your two young guys into the league. You give them the entire season next year um, to continue their development, to continue to work and grow in the AHL system. And then next summer, summer of 2023, you're going to have the opportunity with both these guys nearing their 24th birthday. I actually think both of them will be 24 by next off season. Um, You can see where they're at by then um, and potentially elevate one of if not both right into the NHL depending on where they're at I'm not sure the Hurricanes would want to go with you know two inexperienced guys they might want to have a veteran in one spot up for grabs um 
But, you know, at this point, I would be pretty confident to say one of those guys will be ready, if not both of them, with the way they're tracking. And right at that age of 24, you know, you kind of want to look. But then you'll probably want to have a look and see what these guys can do at the pro level. I mean, you're expecting one of, if not both of them, to be your future and goal. And they've shown that they're probably capable of being that. Um, should they continue on this progression path? Um, I, I just think it is a great spot for the organization to be in where, you know, your future in the pipeline is looking as bright as ever. And, you know, you give them ample time to develop behind the great tandem you already have in place. I think, and this could be bold, but probably not. I think Anderson is brought back for um, like another one to two year deal after next season. Yeah. And we roll with an Anderson Kochetkov pairing or Kochetkov pairing. In Would not surprise me at all. Yeah, that's, that's what I would expect as well, to be honest with you. So, Brandon, I think, you know, we, we've spent time talking about the future in the goaltending position. And obviously, you know, that's one of the most important positions, if not the most important position out there. But, you know, I feel like we have to talk about your boy, Jamison Reese, a little bit here. Right. So I'm just pulling up the stat page for him now. And Reese has four points in his last five games and six in his last 10, which is very impressive because that means a over a third of his production has come in the last 10 games. He's been very good as of late. And I think just personally, just going off of, you know, what I've seen lately, he's currently on a three game point streak. I'd argue he's been one of the wolves best young players lately. Yeah. Um, We talked about this, obviously when Andrew came on, Um, we, we were starting to see this coming, right? Like, he was starting to make a few more plays, hold on to the puck a little bit more, and just he seemed to be confident. That confidence is finally starting to come back to him. And since we've had that conversation, Reese has probably been playing the best hockey of his professional career. Um, yeah, that's I've been tweeting about him a lot lately. That one goal in particular, like we wouldn't see him cutting through deep defenders and making those moves in tight before sniping a goal a couple weeks ago, I don't think. But now he's got that confidence. He's starting to realize, oh, right, I was drafted in the second round, and, you know, I'm here for a reason. And this is why I've been so high on this kid since we drafted him. I mean, speed, skill, he's got some finishing ability. He's got fantastic vision, and he's got an ultra-high compete level. Um, I've been really excited and very encouraged by what I've seen from him in the last few games. I agree. How do you feel about Max Domi as a comparable for him? I think that's fair. Yeah, I think they're very similar, actually. Speed, decision. Reese Reese plays with a lot of skill. Um, It just doesn't always show or hasn't always shown this season because, you know, there's been that learning curve. But I think this year, or as of late, we've started to see Reese, like, make some really impressive plays with the puck. Um, His assist to Levo last night was gorgeous. I loved it. Or two nights. Maybe it was two nights ago. Might have been last night. I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, his passing ability is really, you know, where he makes his money offensively. Like, he's got great hands, too, and can dangle through in a phone booth pretty much through multiple guys. But, you know, he's he's not a great goal scorer. He's got finishing ability, to be sure, because he's just got skill in tight spaces. Like, I wouldn't say he's a sniper by any means, but when he's in tight, he can, you know, make moves and change the shooting angle and pick a corner. But that passing ability is what's going to play the most at the NHL level. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I also feel like 
maybe we should mention the uh, blockbuster AHL trade with uh, Chicago shipping off Maxime Letnov for Tarmo Reuninen. Scored in his very, first game, didn't he? Very fun name to say. <laughs> his and yeah, first he scored shift. in his Wolves debut. Very nice. Scored in his Wolves debut. 24 years old, Tarmo Reuninen. Um, you know, the Rangers fans, they thought highly of him at one point. And, you know, it kind of seemed like he just wasn't really going to break in there, which I'm not sure how well that bodes for his future. Um, do you see any NHL upside there? He's 24, so no. <laughs> I think I think at this point he kind of is what he is, and if he was better than that, the Canes would have made that trade for him before the deadline. Yeah, uh, that's like, fair. Like we saw with Joey Keane back in uh, 2019. They also I, picked up Chris B. Chris B. Begris. Begra. He was like he was like a top 50 pick a few years ago. I mean, it's been a while now, but at one point he was like a top 50 pick. Yeah, and he he was good the other night, and he was making a lot of solid defensive plays. And I think, you know, for a team like the Wolves that gives up a lot of poor opportunities, I think it's nice having um, a player that can be a more steady presence because you've got... Artem Serikov has been fine this year, and I've liked certain moments of his game, but I think he's a little slower than he could be and so we need that defensive upside and I also think you know now you're bringing in Gulner you've added Richard Ponick this is a Wolves team that could dominate in the playoffs yeah I think I think we also need to talk about Ryan Suzuki I think his play last night it always goes a little unnoticed but his defensive game is really growing and he made a phenomenal play in the late stages of that game with the net empty to poke the puck away from a player. And eventually, I mean, it led to Josh Levo scoring the winner or the empty net goal. So Suzuki's doing those little things that will carry him to the NHL. Now he just needs to start, you know, improving in the offensive zone, which is weird to say. Yeah, that is, that is pretty weird to think. Um, I'm sure it'll happen. Um, Yeah. Again, the guy's got a ton of skill, so that'll come with time and comfort, just like with any player, especially with a guy that's missed as much time as he has. Um, yeah, it's really staying on the ice. Yeah. So I'm going to bring it back to the Canes just for a brief moment, and I'm going to – I want to hear everybody's opinion on this. Which players – performance as of late do you think would be more integral to the Canes playoff success would it be Kokaniemi, Natchez or Jarvis I'm gonna go with Natchez just because I think you know with his speed skill with, with the combination of elements that he brings you know when he's dialed in on your second line I mean he's really I think he's a team's x factor I'm gonna be honest just you know, that the way he plays when he's dialed in, he's almost impossible to stop. I mean, he can blow by anybody um, when he's confident and locked in. He can deep through anybody. Um, when things are going his way, he can make any pass. I mean, he can really do it all. Um, I, I just, I still think kind of the sky is the limit for him. Um, it's just about consistency with him. But, you know, when he is really locked in and focused, like he has been 
last five games, he's been very, very good. Um, you know, you, you just see the impact that he has um, and he can really change a game for you. And if he can bring that in the playoffs, I mean, last year in the playoffs, a little inconsistent as well. The year before against Boston in the bubble, he was, I mean, pretty awful. Um, last year we saw him make some strides. Um, if he can bring that again, I think, you know, he's he's really one of the most dynamic players that you have. Um, and he, I, I think he can really impact the series. Uh, and, you know, on the flip side of that, I'm, maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm a little bit wary of how Jarvis is going to hold up in the playoffs physically. Um, you know, I know he's held up pretty fine in the, in the regular season. It's been a long grinding season. And I know we all said before the year, you know, it's a, it's a long physical grind. Um, and we just had a little, little worried about how he would break down over the season. And I mean, he's held up pretty well. Um, I was going to say get, that's the area I might be most impressed with him lately in because yeah, he's taken a lot of hits and he just, I know he gets, he gets pushed around a lot, but he keeps getting up. Um, he, and he so, goes right. He's been in the corners. He's been one of their most active players on the floor checking in the corners. And I, I, I keep thinking like one of these hits is just going to kill the kid, but he protects <laughs> himself pretty well. Yeah. Elite prospects had a video. Elite prospects had a video about how um, Seth Jarvis uses contact to create offense which is why I'm less worried about that than maybe I should be. I would highly recommend checking it out. Posted He's like answered just a, a lot of those questions ago. for me lately. And the playoffs yeah. are a different animal, so we'll see. It could change. But I really like the way he's responded to very physical teams the Hurricanes have played lately. Yeah. 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 And like, like, I, like I was saying, um, I just, yeah, I'm a little bit worried because, like you said, the playoffs is just different. Everything tightens up. You know, it gets a little more physical. And I just saw flashbacks to two years ago when I thought Marty Nate just was ready for that level. Um, and then especially against Boston um, in that, in that, in that series in the bubble, um, they just completely neutralized him and yeah. he, he was totally invisible, um, but probably the worst I've ever seen him play. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of hoping that isn't the trend for Jarvis, but regardless, it'll be a good learning experience for him. Um and yeah, I, I still think I'm going to go with Matrix. Yeah, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I I think my answer would be Jarvis, just because I just think he's so competitive. Like that's something that he's scouts have raved about with him since his junior days. Is he's not a big kid, and he's not going to hit a bunch of people. Even though he did have like what six hits the other night, um, but <laughs> <laughs> um. I just think he likes playing that kind of game. And that's just the vibe I get because he keeps going in there and keeps doing it over and over again. He's a lot different from Natchez in that regard. Like, I don't want to question Natchez's motor much, even though I do think at times it wavers. But with Jarvis, I don't see that. I see the competitive kid that's willing to go into the corners and he'll take every hit that's going to come his way and get right back up. Well, if he even gets knocked down, but he'll go right back into the corner that very next minute. And make another play. I, I wrote about this a little bit in that piece I posted today, actually, just talking about the way he he almost seems to feed on that kind of play. I, I don't know. We'll see how the playoffs, what happens when the playoffs come around. But the way he's played lately, he's he's the X factor for the Canes for me. If he continues to play like this in the playoffs, they're going to be such a difficult team to stop. Yeah, do, do we worry at all a little bit, though, um, about maybe Rod Brindamore cutting back his, his minutes a little? I think it depends on the matchup. Yeah. 
Right now you have four lines that can produce offense with the addition of Max Domi. So you can put Jarvis in the lineup and play him in situations where he'll have a good matchup. Yeah. My answer is I agree with Alex. I think it's Natchez. And my reasoning is a little different because I think when Natchez isn't on his game, he's a detriment. Yeah. Yeah. Detriment might be harsh, but he doesn't do much in the defensive zone. And he sure as hell does not do anything in transition or the offensive zone. I might've misunderstood your question. I might've misunderstood your question just a little bit. No, no, no. You, you answered it, but I think, I think the most important thing is if, if Natchez isn't going, it's going to hurt the Canes more than if Jarvis or Kokaniemi wasn't going. That I totally agree with. Yeah. Yeah. That's my take. No, because, you know, you're – I know detriment is a pretty harsh word, but the way Natchez was playing when he lost his confidence over the last month or so, I mean, he, he kind of does hurt the team. His – He's very turnover prone. Um, you know, he he's kind of where rushes go to die, so to speak. And it it sucks to see because of his talent. And like it's it's hard to imagine that a guy like that with that much skill can lose his confidence. But I, I don't think detriment is the wrong word. I mean, he's either you're either getting a complete X factor or you're getting a guy that is just not really bringing much to your program at all. Yeah, I think that. The thing that worries me is I'm more worried about him in the more physical series than I am worried about Jarvis. And it's weird saying that because Natchez is like four or five inches taller and heavier. I agree with that. But that's my take. I'm not here to rag on Natchez. I'm just saying like, you know, he's going to have to step it up in the playoffs or the Canes don't have a chance in my opinion. Jarvis is a rookie. The NHL playoffs are new to him. And Kokaniemi, I think, even if he's just kind of like okay as he has been, yeah, I mean, he's been consistently fine all season long, and there's been little stretches of really good, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say Kokaniemi has been bad for most of the year, but I think Natchez has been, and that stretch where he had that one goal and nothing else in 11 games kind of concerns me. Yeah, I figured, you know, we're, we're getting towards the grind of the playoffs here. You know, I, I want to start thinking about that because, I mean, as far as we know, the Hurricanes are making the playoffs barring any, like, divine intervention <laughs> at this point um barring a typical hurricanes collapse <laughs> i think we're good the inverse of the ron francis hurricanes after the deadline or instead of winning every game and making us you know <laughs> yeah, lose out on up top our draft pick. position now we want to improve our draft position right, they, they lose every game and then improve montreal's draft position <laughs> <laughs> No, but that, that's not going to happen. This team is too talented, and they're riding on everything. Uh, they're riding on great goaltending. The defense has been solid, and the forwards have been great lately. Folks, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week, though. We appreciate y'all, and thanks for taking your time to listen to us. 
Exciting things ahead for this team. Uh, uh, the addition of Noel Gunler is a big one for the future of the franchise because he does have legitimate top six upside. We're excited to watch him play. We're excited to continue watching Piotr the Great down in Chicago. And folks, as always, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs>